Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by Sirius XM Canada. Sirius XM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Welcome back to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm your host, Peter Bulmer, and joined today by JD Nye, the Automotive Practice Lead for Canada for JD Power. Thanks, JD, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. So the reason I actually reached out to you initially was with the release of the uh, CSI study that yep. JD Power just released, the Canada Customer Service Index Long Term, I believe is the full name of it. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So I wanted to get kind of in front of a couple of different things, that, a couple of standouts, uh, some key data points and sort of what that means for us. So I guess the first question I would have for you, JD, would be how has the pandemic changed the way people use their cars and get them serviced? I mean, obviously, this study was very, you know, focused around COVID and sort of its impacts, I imagine, much more than, you know, anything else. So what were any changes you noticed there? So, yeah, maybe just to, to back up a second, the CSI long-term study, uh, it is a study we've done every year in Canada for about 20 years, say. And it's been a fairly consistent methodology across that time period. And, and what we're measuring for the most part is owner behavior and satisfaction with service occasions among owners that own four to 12-year-old vehicles. So that's the... It's the primary purpose of the study, but obviously of late, we've had to make some adaptations to the survey and dig a little bit more into you know, what has changed over the last, say, I don't know how far we are in, into this now, 18 months into a global pandemic. Feels um, like 180, but I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least now that my kids can go back to school, it's starting to feel a little bit better, but uh, we'll see how long that lasts. So the study, again, we, we surveyed about 9,000 Canadians and well, it's about that size every year, again, focusing in on their behavior. And so, you know, where do they go? What kind of work do they have done? How much do they spend? And then frankly, some of the insights that we pull out of that specifically for clients, we have to blend a little bit of art and science. You know, we can be led in the direction of where the data points, and then the JD Power team in Toronto takes that information and then you know crosses it with all of the other data points that we see across all of our other studies and the, the work we do uh, in the industry to kind of pull out those stories. And so to get back to one of your first questions, well, how has the pandemic changed service behavior? Well, in the study, through the, the methodology we use, we do see that I mean, there were just far fewer service occasions that took place in our last study year compared to the, the 2020 study. So, you know, new car dealerships, for example, as, as a group, saw something like three and a half million fewer visits last year than they did the year before. And obviously that has an enormous impact on their business and on industry revenues in general. You know, what we don't specifically ask for is, you know, why didn't you bring your car in for service or how did you change your service behavior around COVID. So we have to kind of triangulate some of that, that information. And, and frankly, we came down to it, but for the most part, fewer people commuting, uh, a lot more work from home, you know, business closures for a number of months, depending on, on where you happen to be in the country, would have just uh, essentially pushed out a lot of those maintenance windows. 
Yeah, well, I know for myself, at least, I mean, I didn't even change my winter tires last year. I, mean, yeah, I, drove, I, I, I think I drove 150 kilometers all winter. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I think the, the maintenance interval on my vehicle is around 12,000 kilometers. And at, at least of a period of about a year, I drove about 6,000 kilometers. So my, you know, my normal twice per year uh, service schedule definitely was cut in half. Now, I mean, when you use uh, your own personal anecdotal stories, it's the definition of a small sample size. So I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't suggest that my experience was similar to a lot of others, but we can definitely see the impact on, on just the number of occasions that took place in the industry last year. Yeah, now, obviously the average spend is dropping in terms of car maintenance, but you mentioned that there was sort of some, some reason for optimism, some looking ahead. What was that about? Yeah, I mean, some, some specific sectors, particularly in the aftermarket, saw their average RO go up. Areas like uh, service specialists, those that focus primarily on you know, one set of components, like, a, like brake specialists or transmission specialists. And certainly in the uh, independent shop sector, their overall service spend went down a little bit, but not to the same degree that uh, we saw that happen with new car dealers, for example. And so I, I, again, trying to kind of triangulate a few different data points that we see, we're starting to pin that on this kind of macroeconomic relationship between do I invest in a more expensive repair of my older vehicle? And again, in this context for the study, we're just talking about four to 12 year old vehicles. But today it doesn't take a automotive analyst to notice that when you drive past new car dealerships, there's a real inventory shortage out there. So it's, it's not as easy to just go and buy a new car as it has been in the past. And as a result, used car prices are you know, through the roof. So if you were thinking about getting rid of your older vehicle, and getting into uh, a pre-owned or CPO vehicle or buying a new vehicle, you know, that, that calculation may have changed for you in the, in the last little while to where what would have been uh, a frustratingly large repair, it now makes more economic sense given that you know, that vehicle, if now your new normal is only driving seven, 8,000 kilometers a year, well, then now the, the useful life of that car just got extended. Yeah, and I mean, it's possibly a difference between investing you know, 1,500 bucks in a grudge repair rather than investing in like a $15,000 overpriced used car, right? Exactly. I think at, at a certain point, it's just people making a very practical decision for their lives. So if we sort of play this out, I mean, obviously that's great news for independent repair shops, probably not quite as much for on the, on the dealer side. But if we're going on a short-term, medium-term, long-term outlook here, do you think that this is going to be a trend that's going to hold steady? Do you think it's going to sort of be a hybrid or we're going to bounce back to sort of where we were pre-pandemic? Yeah, I know I'm, I'm not supposed to ever leave questions like that with an I don't know. But in this case, the numbers in our study for the 2021 study year were, were so different than what we've seen in the past. In fact, reversed, you know, a, a decades old trend of more revenue market share in this marketplace moving away from the aftermarket and towards new car dealers. And this is the first year that you know I, I can remember where that trend reversed. So we'll try not to get kind of too buried in the percentages here, but depending on how you want to calculate market share or how you want to look at it, in our study, we look at it two ways, a percent of all service occasions. So traditionally, that's where the aftermarket has done quite well. So they, they capture a majority of total service occasions, but new car dealers, or at least over the last decade or so, we're capturing a majority of the service revenue that lives in this marketplace. 
to the point where last year, new car dealers got up to 60% of all vehicle service revenue. If you look back a, a decade, that's probably 10, 11, 12 points higher than, than it used to be. So there, there was a real sustained long-term trend of aftermarket facilities retaining the majority of ROs, if you will. Uh, whereas new car dealers were retaining an ever-increasing percentage of the dollars. This year, new car dealers still maintained their lead in terms of percentage of the dollars, but we saw a full four percentage point swing back in favor of the aftermarket. So in the 2020 study year, the aftermarket saw 40% of all service revenue, again, for vehicles four to 12 years old. This year, uh, they saw 44%, which is not an insignificant amount of money. So it, relatively speaking, if the percentages were exactly the same year over year, then there would be $200 million less in the aftermarket this year than what we saw. So that four percentage point swing, it's worth $200 million. Yeah, that's a, those are very big numbers and definitely not insignificant, particularly when you're spread across, you know, like the small sector being the aftermarket. Mm-hmm. What we don't know is if the swing is, is sustainable. In favor of the the aftermarket, so I, you know, I'd hate to leave your audience with a let's. We'll have to wait and see, but that's kind of where where we're at right now. I mean, as a non-economist and occasional driver, I mean, my layman's take on this is almost every company I know is doing at least sort of a hybrid model of in-person versus you know actually going back in versus staying home. So I think there's going to be a fewer kilometers driven period. So I think the sort of trends that are popping out are they won't swing fully back to pre-pandemic but and so i think like some of the correction will happen but not all of it based on my you know non-professional opinion yeah i mean i, I think being the jd power person I, I should talk a little bit about the customer experience implications here too and a lot of the moves that both new car dealers and players in the aftermarket have made over the last 18 months to you know provide uh, more contactless service, remote service, online service scheduling, communicating with customers more via email or, or text. I get the sense, at least when we were talking about this study last year, those were largely viewed as emergency public health measures. Turns out people really like them. So from a, from a customer experience perspective, there's certainly a, a percentage of vehicle owners that are probably not going to want to go back to um, kind of a, a time-intensive, high-touch service experience, even though that you know that used to be what we would coach, right? You have to build a relationship and build rapport and spend a lot of time talking to your customers. And that is definitely still going to be true for a portion of them. There's a definitely a group that increasingly is saying, or, or I guess commoditizing their automotive service. Do you have any data on that? Because I mean, this is again, anecdotal, but I see it a lot in my peer group. I mean, being a little bit younger, early thirties, we're kind of the generation of convenience, right? When I'm in a rush, I don't want to talk to a shop owner, even though he may be a really nice guy. I want to drop the keys in a box, have him email me what's going on. I text back yes or no. And then that's kind of the full extent of my interaction as a customer. And I don't think that's unique to my peer group either. I mean, I think the pandemic has drawn out a lot of introverts or people who are kind of closeted introverts, I call them, who yep. are really happy to have fewer you know, steps along the way, the fewer times where they had to be actively involved in the process. 
Yeah, we do have some data on this and we're trying to build out that consumer profile uh, a little bit more thoroughly. So kind of more more news on that. I would peg it at the moment somewhere around kind of like a 70-30 to 60-40 split. So uh, 70% of people still uh, looking for what you might refer to as kind of a traditional service occasion that looks very much like all the service occasions that everyone's been used to for 100 years, give or take. And a growing group, yeah, to your point, likely skewing, skewing younger, but you know, not necessarily just confined to a younger demographic that is looking for a much more seamless, low friction interaction, specifically around those simpler maintenance requirements. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, JD, I know we can't keep you all day, unfortunately. Is there anything else on the CSI study that you'd like sort of highlighted to our audience, something that you think is an important takeaway that we haven't touched on? Yeah, maybe if we just stay on the, the topic of this kind of low-touch, virtual communication, frictionless service experience, the biggest piece of advice that I think we could give there, at, at the moment anyway, it's not a question of, you know, conduct your, your customer experience handling process one way or the other, and you have to choose. It's really an and equation. And you might argue the majority of your customers still want this traditional um, high-touch, high-communication service experience, but there is this other group that is looking for something a little bit more seamless and then lower friction, if you will. So it's figuring out and taking a couple of big steps back from your customer experience and trying to pinpoint those points of friction and then trying to close those gaps. Uh, and increasingly, you know, those gaps are being closed by technology aids, like online service scheduling, or having the ability of your advisors to communicate with a customer via text message, remote payment, for instance. So I, I pay my service bill before I even get back to the, the shop to pick up my vehicle. And the, and the, the key there is that the, even the customer that is looking for a, a lower touch, more convenience-based service occasion still needs to be given the opportunity to discuss something with the service advisor or expand on their experience if they so choose. It's not just about having two distinct processes and, and one is, you know, you can't talk to us and the other is much more traditional and touchy-feely. It's about allowing your customers to sort of choose their own adventure and having an equally satisfying service occasion, regardless of the method they choose or frankly, how often they kind of bounce back and forth between the two. I think that's really well said. Uh, I like the choose your own adventure metaphor there. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of things are going to be a lot more hybrid from now on. I think it was going that way anyway, but the pandemic sort of pushed everyone in a certain direction or another. Absolutely. So, JD, before I let you go, there is one final question we ask every one of our guests, not yeah. to trip you up. You know, being in the automotive industry, obviously we all love cars. What is your all-time favorite vehicle? Oh, that's a good question. I can remember I got really tripped up in a job interview once where the, the interviewer asked, if you were a car, what car would you be? <laughs> I got a little petulant, frankly. And I think I said, I don't know the kind that would be awesome at this job. Um, and so, so that didn't, that didn't go all that well. Um, but uh, all-time favorite car. So the, the problem with being in the car industry then is my initial reaction to a question like that is always like, what are you trying to accomplish? Because I'm sure you get the question all the time too, right? Like, oh, what, what car should I buy? And <laughs> it's, but I guess I'm making this way more complicated than it needs to be. JD, so, you're overthinking this. What is the most yeah. 
badass, wild imagination, out there car you'd if you won the lottery and there's no economic or sure metal repercussions. Then that then that's easy. Then the like the 1962-63 Ferrari GTO that Tom Cruise drives at the beginning of Vanilla Sky. Oh God bless you. That is a hell of a vehicle. <laughs> that wraps another episode. JD, thank you so much for coming by and stopping to chat with us. My pleasure. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.